This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. Nick and Joe with you. Very excited for a grab bag of things today. We're going to finish our conversation about driver shaft length. Where do you want to be buried? Yeah, we're getting dark here at At The Turn. And I know Nick is very excited for the handicap report. Are you in the whiskey room right now? I am in the whiskey room. Yes. So, um, but it's 9 a.m. Stone sober. Okay. Maybe a little, little something in my system from last night, but, but I'm not participating in the whiskey at the moment. Please rate and review the podcast. Let us know who you think will earn the most Ryder Cup points as an individual this fall in Rome. If you're correct. Piper Golf will send you a free box of golf balls. If you can't wait, use promo code TURN10 at checkout. Nick, I got a bunch of excited texts from you yesterday detailing your most recent round. So without further ado, it's time for the Handicap Report, brought to you by Blue Tees, the number one range finder in the game. Use promo code TURN10 at checkout to save 10% on any product at Blue Tees. That's promo code TURN, T-U-R-N, at checkout at Blue Tees. Blue Tees play different Nikki it sounds like you were playing different buddy I did play different yesterday I um, am on a high that only one drug on this planet can give you and that is the exceptional score adjustment whoa it happened and I will I will tell you I'll be the first to say that when your handicap is 24 and change it's a lot easier to get an exceptional score (laughs) adjustment than when you have a normal person's handicap um but that being said, I did shot my low round of the year by eight strokes uh, yesterday wow. at the at Windy Hills, our trusty U of I golf course. Um, and the handicap dropped a stroke and a half. I'm, I'm down to uh, down to a, I'm flirting with the respectable territory. It's still not still not a respectable handicap, but it is 23.3 as we speak today. I think I hit more greens yesterday than I hit all of our. Um, green we were counting my greens for like two months and i think i hit 15 yesterday i hit seven uh so that was a that was a good feeling so talk me through it a little bit what happened what what changed what clicked was it just the vibe like did you right away did you know you were gonna play good or did it kind of sneak up on you what happened the truth is and i've been saying this all year like i've i've showed up you to have. every round of golf feeling like i i hit the ball well enough to post a score in the mid 80s like that was that was I've always felt like that. And even though I have never done that this year, I still always have felt that way. I got, I can't lie. I'm a flight over to Idaho. I read like three quarters of the Rotella book, 15th club. I've actually been reading it for like a week. I've been doing like the mental homework uh, that he suggests in there. And I mean, there's a lot of other things that are different. I used, I used clubs I've never used before on a golf course. I played a 10 club set. Um, I had a little bit different approach mentally in the, you know, Honestly, I don't know. Just maybe it just clicked. Everything clicked. Well, congratulations. I'm so happy for you, buddy. So what what happens from here? Do you change your club setup? Do you just revert back to everything you've done? Or do you need the long cross-country flight to think about all this? Sit with Dr. Bob maybe for a little bit and discuss it. No, I just my club, so I, I had like a, a backup set of clubs that I was like reviewing. And I, they were just sitting in my garage. So I just shipped them to Idaho. So when I come out here for like quick trips, I don't have to uh, bring bring the whole bag. So the clubs are staying here. Um, I think a lot of it's transferable. You know, just like 
I don't know. Yeah, Doctor Bob, I think is is my new my, my new sidekick. And uh, like I said, I've I've had this in me all year. It's good to just finally put it on the scorecard. Um, I'm excited I, and relieved for I have, you. I have, I have one one tidbit to add. Hmm. I was I parred the first three holes. I was on the fourth green with a birdie putt. And like Voorhees is losing his mind because he's like smashing it. And I'm like keeping up with him and, and like he's giving me 12 strokes and he's pissed off. And he's like, dude, like, are you, are you whatever? Uh, so that was just, yeah, I was just able to string together some good holes and good shots. It was, it was fun. So was it a disappointing 86 or a great 86? Like, did you limp to the clubhouse or did you finish strong? Yeah. No, I finished strong. I had, I, I, I had a bad like middle end of the front nine, like the last four or five holes. I think I finished the front nine, nine over. So I, I finished the front nine pretty, pretty rough, but I, I shot five over on the back. I, I, I played heartbreak Ridge in two over bogey, Ooh. bogey par. I parked, I had a regulation par on the 18th hole, which if you know that course is, <laughs> it's getting it done if you ask me. So uh, it was, it was very satisfying. You don't shoot your low round of the year by eight strokes and, and leave disappointed. I don't care. I don't care what happened in between. <laughs> I love that. Congratulations, dude. So you got the exceptional uh, round and, you know, look, you got a couple more months left. Maybe, maybe, maybe you get a couple more exceptional. I don't want to get greedy, but you get a couple more of those. Maybe, maybe we in the year sub 20. That would, that would be something. Has that thought crossed your mind? Um, no, not that. Like, it's just more like try to play, try to see how many more good rounds we can play just because playing a good round is a lot more fun than like, your handicap falling. Look, so, so we're recording this on, on on a Friday, the same day the Lions go into Arrowhead and 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 beat the Chiefs. Nicky Boy shoots his lowest round of the year. So look, I had the good karma with Ricky Fowler getting the win. You have the good karma. This is unbelievable. Yeah, how's your handicap report, Bill? You know, I'm still an eight two. I'm still an eight two. Uh, I had uh, I had a, a a a pretty wild Labor Day weekend. Um, I played on I played on Friday afternoon. I got out uh, to Persimmon Country Club, which is just down the road. I've played it a few times. Play well there usually. Hung a smooth 96 in the board for my highest round of the year. Um, then on Labor Day, I played a best ball tournament with my dad at Stone Creek, and we finished T3 gross. Um, so very, very eventful weekend. Um, my book credit at Stone Creek is almost up to $300, I think. So... We are we are inching towards that hybrid that we want. The handicap remains at an eight point two, but it feels it feels very stable. I have a lot of rounds that haven't qualified, but are like close. So even if rounds drop off, it's not like it's going to balloon up. So That's I don't want to jinx anything. Yeah, um, but I feel yes, I feel like I'm in very good shape to maintain a single digit handicap for the rest of the year. So status quo, but I got some good stuff built up. There you go. Is a super hybrid in your future? Not to get off topic, but I, I just got to know. Yeah, a, a super hybrid is definitely in my future. I'm going to rip the four iron out of the bag. I'm going to keep the three and I'm going to have, um, you know, basically just a club that goes straight up into the air, like 210 yards. I need that. That's that's the hole in my bag right now. Um, so I'm excited about it. And Stone Creek yeah, is going to provide it. How that all works out. Like, I, I really want to know sometime maybe later on we can go into some more detail on that yeah that sounds great um i want to close the handicap report but i have a tangential story before we get to your driver length nick um 
you know, one of the one of, one of my favorite questions that we do when we have guests in the turn 10 segment is are breakfast balls ever okay? And there's usually a pretty standard answer that no, during competition they're not okay, but when you're dicking around with your friends they are okay. So on Friday, Persimmon Country Club, the driving range is literally a 5-minute cart drive away from the first tee. Like you can't just go hit some balls. You have to plan it out and you need like extra time to do it. It's it's far away from the first tee in the clubhouse. So I didn't hit any balls. All three of us hit our first ball OB. And then we play a second ball. And I had a rough start. I tap in for a quad and I say eight. And my buddy Derek's like, what do you mean? You made a six. And I was like, no, my first one out of bounds. And he's like, no, no, you made a six. We're all taking breakfast balls there. And then they convinced me, which I've never done, to take a breakfast ball. And then I proceeded to shoot a 96. So I just think that was the golf God's way of saying that there was bad karma for me taking that breakfast ball. I shouldn't have done it. And as a result, I hang my worst deferential of the year on the board. There's definitely a few things to that. Like, so number one, you probably, it was probably haunting you because it's a really uncomfortable feeling to, to do something that you don't think is right. And then you've got the rest of the like four to five hour round to be like, it's not sitting right. Like there's no clothes. It's like, it just doesn't, if you just take the eight, you're like, man, that sucks. But once you make another good stroke, like you've forgotten about it, you feel you feel clean about it. You have a clean conscience. So that was probably looming. I look at it as the other way. Like I don't take a breakfast ball because that's your first shot of the day. What if I go out and shoot my low round of the year by eight strokes? But then I'm like, yeah, there's that little voice. It's but. like, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but. So you're like, hey, man, I, I tell myself like, look, no matter what score I shoot today, I'm probably going to make one or two triple bogeys, right? So if I make one on the first hole, like, so be it. So I just accept that, like, at some point out of the 90 to 100 strokes I take today, some of them are not going to be good. And if if I front load those bad strokes, that's fine. So, yeah, maybe there is some bad karma. Maybe it was some some mental unsettledness that that was haunting you. Um but I, I don't know. You just have to, I, for all the listeners who who take breakfast balls, and a lot of people do, and, and there's not really anything wrong with it, but once you stop taking breakfast balls, you'll realize that it's okay to make a higher score than you want on a golf hole. Like, that's really all that it is. It's like you had a golf hole where you made a score that, that might be higher than you wanted. And guess what? That's going to happen quite a bit. Well, and I... It was a whole round of uneasy decisions because I was going to hit a five iron. These guys both hit driver. So I pull out my driver and I hit it into someone's backyard. Then I make an eight Then I write down a six. And it's like, what? Why did I even show up here? It's 15 minutes of terrible decisions. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. It's a slippery slope. And you okay. know what I'll say? I played Let's... with, I was playing with Voorhees yesterday and I told him we we're on the 17th tee after I closed out our match. And I, I, I told him, <laughs> He was the fourth person in 2023 that I've played around a golf with who could actually, like, I would actually sign for their score. Like, you, when we played at Highland Links, Voorhees yesterday, and two random people I've been paired with actually didn't cheat throughout their round of golf and, like, recorded a legitimate score. Like, no breakfast balls, no moving their ball, and like, improving their lie, no picking up, picking up putts, and not even, like... If you're picking up putts inside a foot, like I'm not even counting that. I played with a guy a couple weeks ago when I played with Ashley. So it was me and Ashley in in a, a twosome of of 22 year olds, and the like lesser good of those kids was picking up like seven and eight foot putts 
like every third hole. And I'm like, and then one, he finally asked, he asked his friend, it was a 10 footer. He's like, is this good? Cause it was for par. And the kid's like, no dude, that's for par. Like that, that one's not good. But like, he was picking up all these putts. And at the end of the day, he's like, yeah, I shot, I shot a 95. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, if we had to go to a scoring tent right now and sign for this 95, you know, no way. But like the point being almost nobody actually keeps a legitimate score on a golf course, at least in my experience. So if you do, it's just, it just feels better. And like, yeah, it, it just, it just feels better. No, it does. But I also think people's common response to a statement like that, because I feel the same way. I feel like most people don't keep a regular score, but I think most people's response is, well, I'm not playing for anything. And like, ostensibly that might be true. You're not playing for a trophy or maybe you're not playing for money, but if you're saying your score is a thing, and you didn't actually have that legitimate score. You are playing for a thing, and you're cheating. It's okay to cheat, but you can't say that your 85 is an 85 because it's not. If you're playing with breakfast balls, if you're picking up outside of, like you said, tap-in range, then you're not having a real score. If you're dropping out of bounds, if you're, if, if you're not counting your OB, if you're dropping instead, like there's a lot of ways to shave strokes here and there. And that's fine if you want to do that, if you're not playing for a legitimate score. But there's some there's a level of honor in the game. And again, getting pretty grandiose now, but it, it, it's true. There's a level of honor involved where most people don't keep a real score. They have a dirty score that they keep, which is which is fine. But don't say that my 78 is the same as your quote unquote 78 when I'm actually dropping, putting the ball in the hole every time. And you're not. It's just it just doesn't sit right with me. And, and it's so funny when you hear, you you know, these people, even if you didn't play around with them, because they'll start telling you you're around, they're around and I shot, I shot 82 and I did this and I did this. And then like their third like anecdote and it's like on that hole, I made a legitimate birdie. And like, you're like, oh, so all the stuff you were just telling me was, was not actually legitimate. Yeah. And that, and that is, I have found it. It's, it's so funny. Cause like, I'm trying to get in around this weekend and I have found that I want to play with the men's club more than I want to play with just randoms because in the men's club, everybody has to keep a score, a real score and put the ball in the hole. And they're going to help me find my ball because I have to find that ball. And if I don't find it, I got to go back to the tee or drop and take two strokes from the spot that it was lost. Basically do everything that is real in a round of golf. When it's a hit and giggle, those are fine. I have one of those a couple of weeks ago. I didn't post the score because it got goofy towards the end, which is fine. But mm -hmm. if you're going to say your score is what it is, you make the excellent point of a legitimate birdie, a legitimate par. What the hell happened the other 16 holes? Is the rest of the round illegitimate? It must be. Right. I'll move on. You did your testing. You tease this. Where you did, we talked about this on pod, right? This wasn't an off pod conversation. Yeah, yeah we, we, we talked about this. Where you had a regular length shaft in your driver and then a shorter shaft length in your driver. So you did the experiment. What happened? Um, okay. So what I did is I have a, a relatively modern driver where the, the head completely pops off. The shaft has like an adapter on the end. So I say that because it makes this experiment a lot more viable. I would not recommend mm. it just go into the garage and hack two inches off their driver because you could make some irreversible changes that you might, you might not like, you might want, not want to be permanent. So right now I have two shafts that I can pop into my driver. One is 44 and a half and one is 42 and a half. Okay. So I expected, so I took, I took both of these shafts 
to a an indoor driving range it's like for the foresight launch monitor gc quad and i hit uh 10 drives with each and i didn't eliminate any because part of my experiment was to see like on the golf course as we just said like i'm playing all 10 of my my drives and the worst drives are the ones that are costing me strokes more than i'm gaining strokes with good drives like if i'm in play you know i have a chance at par it's unlikely i'm going to make a birdie no matter where i drive the ball it's just where my game is so it's the worst ones that are causing me like a double and triple off the tee that I wanted to kind of account for. What I found was I gained accuracy with the shorter shaft, which was no surprise at all. I don't have the exact yards from center, but I have the dispersion plot and is much, much tighter. Mm. I also gained six yards with the shorter shaft, which was very surprising to me. Yeah. What was average distance but even my longest drives my two longest of of the test were with the shorter shaft three of the longest four were with the shorter shaft which i was surprised by i thought the longest drives for sure would be the longer shaft and the shortest drives the miss hits would be with the with the longer shaft which would just be a huge variable there i just hit the the, the short driver is comically short. Like it is like I, I gripped that thing and I stood there and it was even shorter than I wanted to. The the guy who the guy who made the shaft or put the whatever gave me a shaft and whatever. I he, he didn't follow any instructions that I that I gave him. And I ended up with a shaft that was like about an inch shorter than I was looking for, but whatever. <laughs> so I put the head on and I'm looking and I'm like, man, this is I'm starting to have some regrets. I'm like, this is comically short. <clears throat> it was what I thought at first until I started swinging it and I'm like, wait a second, like it's just so easy. It's so easy to just hit the sweet spot. But I had no idea where it was going. I put it on the launch monitor and I'm like, wow, the 42 and a half inch driver, I hit a couple over 280, which for me is like, wow, you know, out of out of a 10 of a 10 shot test. So I would I would say to give this a little bit of context, manufacturers sell drivers off the rack at 45 and a half to 45 and three quarters inches, which is insanely long. Like PGA Tour players play them usually about an inch shorter, somewhere in the mid 44 inch range for this exact reason. Um, so if you're playing an off the rack driver, it's probably way too long. My experiment is is one person, right? But I don't know if you've ever heard of Tom Wishon, who um, is like a world renowned club builder. He did this no. experiment. 45 inch driver and a 43 inch driver and a 44 inch, but we'll exclude the 44 inch because all the results are in between 50 golfers scratched to 20 plus handicap found that in every handicap range, they were much closer to the center. Even the, even the zero to five handicappers were six yards closer to the center with a shorter shaft, all but the zero to five handicappers were longer, more distance with the shorter shaft, basically striking it better, getting more efficiency out of their strikes. The the people who are five and below who who weren't longer with the shorter shaft, it was less than a yard or like one yard shorter of distance. So you're basically, your scratch players are six yards closer to the center and one yard shorter uh, with a two inch shorter shaft. So that's kind of where this whole experiment came from. And my results really backed that up. So now I'm, now I'm gaming a shorter shaft. So this is what's going to happen from now on. You're going to go with, the 42 inch shaft because you had such immediate and strong results. Uh, yes. So I, I'm, I'm getting a little bit different shaft. So I told you the guy, I walked into the golf shop and I'm like, I want a 
43-inch shaft that's stiff flex. And he gave me a 42-inch shaft that is probably a senior flex. And I, I gave him all this information. I'm like, here's the adapter. He doesn't write anything down. I'm like, do you need to write this down? He's like, no, I got it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So I I'm gonna I, I have another shaft that was in my garage that I take taking what I learned. It's stiffer, it's gonna be a little bit longer, it's gonna probably be closer to play closer to 43 inches, uh, be my right flex. And um, yeah, and and so to go back to my round earlier, my handicap report, I was choking way down on this driver because it's not the one that I it's not the one that I chopped up, chopped down. So it's a 45-inch driver. I was choking way down. That like end of the front nine where things got loose, I was like forgetting the choke down. So I was I was playing it at the full length, starting to spray it. I collected my thoughts. I was like, what the hell's happening? Oh yeah, you're not choking down. Choke down again and, and played the last 10 holes five over. Um so it, it really does make a difference. You you don't lose distance. For me personally, and in this 50 golfer experiment, six yards closer to the center is one thing. Six yards farther from out of bounds, far, six yards farther from the trouble on either side. Um, it's awesome. So my, my, my biggest takeaway is anybody listening, like number one, find out how long your driver is. And if it's, if it's like in the upper 44s or if it's anywhere in the 45s, like you should seriously consider doing something. If your driver head pops off. And how do I do that? How do I find out how long my driver is? Do I just get the tape measure out? Yeah, basically put it in the, in the playing position. So like in the address position and, and measure from the, uh, from the ground to the butt. Okay. At the, at the angle of the driver shaft, like along the, sure. along the drive. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. If you, if your driver, if the, the, you have a relatively new driver, right? You have like a title or something. Does the yeah, head like, pop off? Yeah, it does. Although I'm terrified to to okay. to do anything with it, I have not touched it since since the day that I bought it. I've not touched it, and I don't plan to. Okay, so you so this isn't for you, but if maybe you it should be. Take a picture of the setting that it's at, so you know okay. exactly what setting it's at. If you don't want to mess with it, okay. Like get it, get the adapter. Like you've got a Titleist, whatever. Just go on go on Amazon, like Titleist twenty twenty three adapter. They usually fit drivers in woods and like you can get, I got, I got a shaft for 60 bucks from this guy should have paid a little bit more and got the one I wanted or been a little more specific or made him write it down or whatever. But the bottom line is you, you can try it. And if it's not for you or whatever, you just pop the other one back in. But I would be very surprised if anybody who's playing a, a 45 inch driver or longer doesn't get like very surprising and good results from going down an inch or two. Well, we're definitely in the same boat where my misses are enormous. Like I very seldom miss the fairway, like by a few feet. I'm usually either in the fairway or I'm in the other fairway. Like those, those are my two shots. It's, it's very uncommon that I miss by a little. So it sounds like that is exactly what this helps. It doesn't eliminate the big miss obviously, but it curbs the big miss and makes you feel more comfortable over the ball. This sounds like a really good off-season experiment because I got a couple more tournaments towards the end of the year. I think once I get to like January, remind me of this conversation because I'm really interested in hitting more fairways with the driver. Like who yeah. isn't? And you stand over, it's so short. And like you I wouldn't suggest people go to a 42-inch shaft, which which when you put the head on plays to 42 and a half. Like that that seems so short. But I'm telling you, like it's so easy to just 
smash the sweet spot and like you can swing like i could swing as hard as i want smash the sweet spot it's almost like it's it's the misses are so so much easier to control and like my miss can be a slice and every metric that leads to a slice was corrected like the spin the side spin that i had on the ball with the shorter shaft was curving to the right so as a lefty that was draw spin i had i started to the left and had draw spin on on every single of the 10 shots with my with my gamer, the, the longer driver, most of them were were spinning like a push slice, like starting to the left and had slice spin. So basically, it's easier to square the club face. It's easier to hit the center, um, and you're going to lose a little club head speed, but you're going to gain in smash factor and efficiency. And it's in my spin rates were better. It was just like just seeing the numbers. I was like, damn, this is like wh- why why haven't people been doing this or like talking about it more like out of all the equipment research and all the like gizmos and gadgets, like this is a very simple thing that made a very direct impact on my game. So real quick, just give me like the 30 seconds of, Hey, like literally me, but also for the audience, like I I'm, I'm not an equipment guy by any means, despite being a golf junkie, I'm, I'm an equipment idiot. So talk me through how I do this in like three or four easy steps. Okay. So, Changing the shaft length will change the swing weight of your driver, which could make it feel a little bit different. So the best thing to do if, if you're you, what I would recommend is go to like a, a golf shop and say who, wh- wh- wherever you would go to buy shafts, not online. If, you, if, you're not, if you're not comfortable doing it yourself, go to a golf shop wherever you would get, get a shaft and say, hey, this is what I want to do. I want, a, I want a 43 inch shaft for my driver for this with this tip. Um, and, and they'll, they can find what the swing weight is of your current driver and get, make sure that the shaft weight and like the grip and whatever, uh, accounts for that. Um, that's probably the, the most important kind of nuance. Um, if you're me, I didn't do that. I wasn't too worried about swing weight. I mean, I told the guy the weight of the shaft I wanted. I have no idea if I got that weight of shaft cause I didn't get anything else that I asked for. Um, but I didn't notice a difference in, in how the swing weight felt. I just noticed the difference of how easy it was to, to, to smash. So yeah, just get the tip. It fits your driver, either buy a shaft online or go to a golf shop and tell them what length and, and weight you want and just have them put it on and then you can pop it in and out whenever you want. So basically like, hey, here's my current driver. I want a version of this that's two inches shorter. Can we keep the exact same weight and then they can take care of the rest because that's their job, presumably? Yes. I love it. Could, I'm going to try this in January. 100% you should. Okay, I'm excited. I'm going to be hitting every single fairway come 2024. <laughs> this is great. I love it. Okay, I want to switch gears. Before we get to the Mad Golfer, uh, I only want to do one of these grab bag items because, Nick, I've known you for a long time. I don't know, really, i got to be honest, your feelings about the afterlife, what you want to happen to your body when you die. I'm a cremation guy. I don't know about you. Are you a cremation guy or you want to go in the ground? No, I don't want to go in the ground. Per- oh, this is perfect for this <laughs> Doesn't make sense. You're taking up space. All right. So we both want to be cremated. And you know, Lace and I, when you're on a vacation or a long road trip, you talk about stuff like this. So I was like, you know what I want to have happen? Because clearly I'm gonna die first. Uh I smoked for a long time. I'm, I'm gonna die first. You're gonna live to 115. Um, by the way, three months I'm off it. So good for me. Um yeah. Yeah, yeah congrats. Everyone pat me on the back. I did it. Three months. We're good. So I'm gonna be burned. Once I'm dead, I'm going to be in an urn, and I want to be scattered in a bunker. And I was trying to think to myself, what would be the best bunker to scatter my ashes in? 
And I know that you haven't really had much time to prepare for this prompt, but I have a couple of thoughts. I don't want to go to like Pebble Beach or some bullshit like that. Pebble Beach doesn't mean anything to me. It's just a, it's just a nice, fancy golf course. I want to go. I want to be buried at Glendivere. I want my my ashes to be scattered. There is a terrible finishing hole on the West Golf Course of Glendivere. It's the 18th. It's a par three finishing hole. It plays anywhere from like 140 to the club championship. They backed it up to like 220, which was absurd. Wow. And there are two bunkers in front. The green, I'm not kidding, is pitched like at a 45 degree angle. Like if you are past the hole, there's no way you can. You have to hit it below the hole. If you chip, there's no way you can keep it on the green. It's a monstrosity. But I feel like there is a there is a there is a bunker there on the short right that feels like the best possible place for my ashes to be scattered because it's close to everything. You're in the thick of it. It's close to the jogging path. A lot of good memories. That seems to me the best. It's got to have some sort of deep sentimental meaning for me and the person who's going to be doing it, presumably Lacey. It just feels like it, it feels right to me. It's it's better to have something that means a lot to you rather than some bullshit resort, right? Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Like, unless you grew up at Pebble Beach, then like you shouldn't be, you know, be scattered there. For me, it would be, it's not a bunker, but it would be the first tee box at U of I. And mm. I, I say that because when you're standing on the first tee box, the world is your oyster. Like the feeling Anything's is possible. <laughs> Anything is possible. You Like all of that good juju that you've been like building up, it, it could still come to fruition. Like you haven't, you're even par, no matter what. Like how many times have I stood in that first tee box and told myself like, you're even par right now. Let's keep it going. You know what I mean? And like (laughs) half joking, but like anything is possible. Like you can do something you've never done. So there's that optimism. I think it embodies my personality. And that is a place where I've probably experienced, I probably displayed more optimism than any other place in my life. God, maybe it is U of I. That is my, that is my PR on that course. Mm. Um, I have to think yeah. about it. You're the 13th green. I'll never forget this moment. You're standing on the 13th green with an eagle putt, and you just look up and you say, "This is I have this putt for eagle to get to seven under." It was like a 45 foot putt, and you just drained it. I was like, "What is happening?" Oh man, if I could capture that feeling once again. The anniversary passed, by the way. We are now a dozen years from that round, Nick. If you can believe yeah. that. It's hard to believe. I know. So, okay, good. So we're both cremation guys. We both want to be scattered at at, at meaningful golf courses. I love that. I'm going to save the other two. I'm going to save those other two topics for another day. Without further ado, it is time for our Mad Golfer of the Week. We are going to Wentworth Club. It is 60 minutes southwest of London, site of this week's BMW PGA Championship on the European DP World Tour. Anton Stepanov, quote, absolutely horrific service and staff. I haven't felt this unwelcome in a venue in quite some time. Deeply unpleasant staff that chose to be rude in both mannerisms and words. Incredibly unhelpful. The managers think they are kings and that it is appropriate to talk down to patrons. A club that was once the pinnacle of service and quality has now become hostile, disgusting environment. Avoid at all costs. A couple things here. A couple things here. Okay. One, <clears throat> they are, they're rude and, and they're unhelpful. I'd really love to know what instigated that because 
places like this don't tend to just be rude and cold unless they're in New England. Um, <laughs> and that's just their personality. Second of all, avoid at all costs. That's something you say when, like, the tap water is contaminated. And, like, it's something that you wouldn't otherwise be able to avoid. Like, hey, when you go to Mexico, avoid drinking the water at all costs. Like, th that makes sense. Avoid going to this, like, private, luxurious golf course at all costs. Like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> Yeah, it's a pretty extreme uh, thing to say. Also, this this has one of the uh, key hallmarks of one of um, one of the key hallmarks of a mad golfer of the week that you enjoy. Nothing about the golf course is actually mentioned. It's just the staff altogether. Um, so I, I I thought that was delightful. But man, Anton Stepanov just had an absolutely terrible experience, and this one was liked by a lot of people. So a lot of people must agree, or at least got a chuckle from what Anton yeah. had to say. I, I like that. I just don't second it. <laughs> Congrats, Anton Stepanov. You are our Mad Golfer of the Week. And with that, it is now time for Nick Rolls. Brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Use promo code TURN20 at checkout. Well, everything thing comes back to driver length today, Joe. The USGA states that the overall length of the club must be at least, at least 18 inches, except for putters, must not exceed 48 inches. That's the rule. Oh, this is the Mickelson thing. Driver can't be more than 48 inches. However, the USGA and the RNA have announced a new model local rule. Started, they started in 2022 to uh -huh. provide those running professional or elite amateur golf competitions the option of limiting the maximum length of a golf club, excluding putters, to 46 inches. So basically, okay. it's up to those organizations to put that rule into effect or not. I believe it is in effect on PJ Tour and stuff like that. Um, basically, limiting it to 46 inches. As I mentioned before, most like Titleist, Callaway, TaylorMade, they're selling stroke drivers at, at 45.75 inches only to make sure they don't like, you know, a, a grip or something else doesn't accidentally bump it over that maximum, which is insane. It's way too long. But those are the rules. So are they are those manufacturers selling at that length because the idea is you can't add length to a driver but you can reduce it? No. They're selling them at that length because they have maxed out within the rules what they can do with with distance from the club face basically. They can make it more forgiving but they can't necessarily they can make more parts of the face as long as the sweet spot but they can't really make the sweet spot any, any longer or better. So when they test these clubs, they're robot testing them, right? So if they want to say, like, this one is longer than that one, well, if, the, if they can't really do much more with the club head, if you make it longer, it's going to have more speed with the same effort, all things being equal. But that doesn't translate the, to the consumer because we don't, we're not robots. We're not robot testers, right? So the longer a club gets, the harder it becomes to control, and we lose more of those gains because of our lack of control than we actually gain from the length, if that makes any sense. It does. So basically, they can't do anything more with the face. They've done everything they can with the club face, the moment of inertia. Everything is basically to the max capacity. The one thing they can do to increase distance is to lengthen the club to the maximum specifications because that's already being done with the club face. And the only other place you can do it is how long the club is. And if you have a perfect swing or you're Phil Mickelson or you're Kyle Berkshire, sure, you're going to take advantage of that length. If you're Nikki Heidelberger or Joey Simons, it's probably not going to help you. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you more than it's going to help. Exactly. Man, I 
I really feel like I learned a lot today because like, all right, I don't know if you were watching golf when Anthony, that's Nick Rules. I don't know if you were watching golf when Anthony Kim was playing. He, was <laughs> he, he choked down on the club in every shot. He choked down all the time. And when you try to gain more control with the club, you choke down on the shaft. So it just stands. It's, it's so logical. Everything that you're saying that you're going to have more control. Tommy's, I believe, chokes down. Tommy Fleetwood chokes down yeah, on the club. So, so should we just be choking down on every, like, should I be choking down with my six iron? I don't know about that. Cause I think you can probably hit your six iron pretty well. If you feel like I you can't, can't hit the center of the face on command, then, then maybe. Um, so like I said, when I played that, that, that exceptional round, that exceptional score that I posted, I was choking down on the driver, like not quite down to the shaft, but like probably two inches. Like my, my, my top hand was two to two and a half inches from the top. And mm-hmm. I was and like Matt Voorhees, who, if you've ever played golf with Matt Voorhees, he's a very long, he's a very long driver of the ball. He was, he was floored at, at my distance. Like I would hit him and it wouldn't sound like, like I, I, I chunked one and he's like, he crushed one. And we were, we hit at the same distance and he's like, this is like the sixth hole. And he's like, dude, why are you, why are you hitting it so far? Like, I'm not used to seeing this. Like I just crushed this drive and, and you're hitting every drive to, to where my ball is. And I'm just like, I don't know, dude, <laughs> but uh. the real answer is because I knew I was going to hit the sweet spot. So I just swung however I wanted and hit the sweet spot. And guess what? Drivers are really efficient the way they're made when you, when you can hit the sweet spot. I just, whenever I hit the ball bad, I always, or my swing is out of whack, or I just have so much wasted energy in my swing, which tends to be my problem. I just try to remind myself, there is so much technology in these golf clubs. Like, even my pitching wedge. The pitching wedge that I use today, compared to a pitching wedge that was built 20 years ago, it's completely night and day. Just let the club do the work for you. You don't need to do the work. The club is so powerful and so strong and so much better than you. Just let it work, baby. It's true. Uh, well, Nick, I am so excited that your 2023 is finally underway as we get into September. This is great. The The year is your oyster now. It's true. It's very true. I got like six weeks left and I can post six good scores and, and basically turn over my handicap. This is so exciting. It's going to be a great fall. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Nick, travel safely. We will talk when you are back in Rhode Island and you are faced with a golf course that is nothing but out of bounds on the left side. Yes, can't wait. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.